prove that you can do all. You can be financially successful. Uh, you can be uh, great for the community in terms of giving. And I had no idea how to do it. And that, that's one of the things that I learned too, is that you don't need to figure out the how. Just set the goal and make progress towards it. Dr. Sharuzyez Danny has a crazy goal to change the face of dentistry forever. He's going to open up five dental practices and donate millions of dollars of free dentistry to his community and around the world. But he wasn't always on this path. When he first started about 20 years ago, he was like many small businesses, and he started with a mindset that he was just a worker doing a job. But Yazdani Family Dentistry is a living example of what happens when you stop treating your work as a job and you start treating it like a business. So this week on the Small Town Business Podcast, find out the decisions that Dr. Yazdani has made that kicked his practice into high gear. How long you been uh, doing the business for? So um, I've been uh, in, in dental, well, I've been doing dentistry for almost 20 years. Uh, but in terms of having the dental practice, uh, it's been 17 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, now that I think of it, yeah, it'll be 17 years in September. So about 16 and a half years. Um, and it's really, I would say, only in the last six years or so that I've really focused on sort of um, the entrepreneurial business side. You know, it's uh, dental practices are kind of a, I wouldn't say unique, but it's kind of a, an oddity in the sense that, you know, it's a, you're a medical professional, um, but really in essence, you're running a business, um, you know, a business that, that provides healthcare services. And so, you know, dentists, you know, you, we go through training and you don't get any at all business sort of uh, training or advice. And so you're essentially learning on the job. Um, and really, that's one of the things that, you know, a few years ago when I, I started working with a company based out of the U.S. that really focuses on, on sort of learning the entrepreneurial and the business side of things because, Essentially, you know, we got no training on that. And really, we're, in terms of um, actual business people, in general, we're really pretty pathetic at it. Uh, And we end up, you know, dentists do generally well just because it's a good profession to be in. But it's it's in spite of the poor business acumen, not because of it. And so so about six years ago, I sort of turned my attention towards that and started working with this company. And I was really attracted uh, to it for a couple of things. One of them being that you know they they had a really significant focus on on impact. So you know one of their sort of philosophies is that um, you know your your business sort of growth is will be associated with um, the value that you create for your patients. And so uh, this idea that you know if you if you give them greater value than you take in terms of monetary. Um, value, then you will be a successful. So we're really focused on giving our patients more than 
than the average or standard dental practice, uh, doing more things for them, being more involved in the community. Um, and a big part of it uh, is, is sort of the giving back and charity. And again, not doing it for the sake of becoming the, you know, to use that to grow, but the natural consequence of being more involved in the community is that, uh, you know, you sort of attract, um, you attract more to your life when you give more. And that's a, you know, that's a philosophy that I really believe in. And again, you, we don't want to do it for that purpose, but it is the natural consequence of that. The, there's there's a lot there, but the one that thing I really really like, and I think we were even just talking about this, which was that giving more value, and everyone's like, so you're you're giving more value to them, and they're feeling like they're getting more value than they're paying, right? That's right, and that is the key, and that's one of the things that I never understood that concept, and it's it's one of the things that I learned, you know, working with um, with this company is that, uh, and its founder, whose whose sort of basic premise was that. Um, the key to um, sort of success in anything in life, including relationships, is that you give more value than you take. And if you always sort of stay true to that principle, um, the success will, will, will is the natural um, outcome of that. Mm -hmm. And so really, you know, we started to sort of focus more on that, do more for our patients. You know, we, we do patient appreciation events. We sort of do free movie days. And um, on top of creating, you know, adding more services so that we do more things in-house as there's also creates that extra convenience for them. Um, and just, you know, um, increasing that, the customer service aspect, you know, we're added the refreshment center. We've got a really fancy sort of coffee machine. Again, these are all things that we don't charge our patients for. Our fees are, you know, we just go by the standard fee guide. We're not, we're not, you know, sometimes we get that perception, you know, patients will sometimes say, oh, I guess, you, you know, you know, I'm probably paying more for this. But, and I try to explain to them, I actually, no, we, we're, we charge the same fees at every other dentist. We just choose to give more back to our yeah. patients. So one thing, now, those are a lot of really great ideas, but you probably didn't just start randomly throwing things, you know, at the wall kind of thing. You, you, did you, how did you, how did you say, okay, we need to give more value? How do you go about, did you create a plan or? So part of it, yeah. So that, you know, working with this company, they had certain ideas, things for us to do. Um, you know, and part of that was also, it also relates to, you know, um, as far as uh, some of these sort of patient appreciation events. And so again, not everything was done all at once, uh, but we started sort of there. Um, you know, we started to do some patient appreciation events. We started doing some free barbecues and, and things like that. I've really appreciated the free barbecues. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, is it Wednesday? Yeah. Oh, we still got time. Time. <laughs> yeah, so you know, things like that. And then we also, uh, one of the other things that, um, you know, we, we kind of, again, it's not, it is in some ways related to that is really focusing on our core values. Um, you know, our core values are trust, integrity, excellence, customer service, and kindness. Um, and one of the things that we really focused on is that, you know, we hire, you know, based on that, we train based on that, and we, we always have to stay true to that. And by doing that, we are creating greater value for our patients because we're, we're making sure that we're giving them the treatment that we would for ourselves or our family members. So, uh, so that was a big, a big part of that as well. Sean is uh, the one that's kicking my butt on that front too. On, on this, uh, actually, we're having a meeting this Thursday about that, right? Yeah. 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 What What made you want to kind of? How important is that for you to get those kind of values set before? The uh, the, the company culture mm -hmm. we're talking. I just think uh, I, I think. So Richard Branson, who started the Virgin Group, has always said, and one of the things that's made his business so successful is. 
if you uh, if you make your employees happy and you treat them well, they treat the customers well, and then Absolutely. they spend more money, and that makes the shareholders happy. And this is. Not quite the same, but... Uh, Absolutely. I mean, it's very much along those lines, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so uh, it's definitely employees have to come first, because if they're happy and they feel like they can grow, then everybody else is happy. So. Absolutely. <clears throat> and uh, I don't know if you've heard of Simon Sinek. Oh, so, huge like, he's, he's actually, you know, a, a big sort of thing for me in terms of a lot of the things that I'm trying to institute in our organization is based on, on his principles and this idea that... You know, you take care of your employees, and if you take care of them, exactly. So exactly what you said is directly from a lot of his talks. You know that that they'll take care of the others, and that's one of the sort of, um, I guess, one of the other biggest things that I feel had a really big impact um, in terms of helping me drive uh, driving the direction that we're going, and also to have the success that we've had is really having that. You know, um, I'm sure you've heard of the BHAG, the big hairy, hairy audacious goal. Um, and link and, and making that a, a service oriented one. So our sort of, you know, we, we kind of have two big uh, BHAGs, but the main one that we're focused on right now is that we'll have uh, five dental practices in the region contributing a total of $500,000 of free dentistry every year to the that's community. Amazing. Yeah, that's so, so that's kind of, you know, what's helping drive us to, okay, this is the, the ultimate goal that we want to go to. Um, but it, Part of that too is to get to that goal and to get to that level of success that we can do those things for the community um, by creating a culture uh, and an environment for our team that is healthy for them, uh, that's healthy for their family. So that you know, one of the talks that Simon Sinek you know, um, had about the impact, the negative impact of a ne negative work environment that it has on families and their health. So, you know that. With diabetes is on the rise, cancer is on the rise, and these are all he relates to. You know this increased levels of cortisol, which is kind of dripping into our systems. That's really uh, not you know not meant to be always there, yeah. but it's it's as a result of this work environment where the companies don't take care of their people. It all becomes about the bottom line, and that they sacrifice their people for for profits. And so you know the, the culture that I'm trying to create um, is where we take care of our people. And as a result of that, you know, uh, obviously you got to still f focus on the financials, but those things get taken care of, and that we don't sacrifice our people for the purpose of the bottom line. Um, and so, one of the big goals that I have is to, I, I want to create a new model for for dental practices. Yeah, this is one thing I really wanted to to, to pick your brain on because that's, as you said, you're coming from a medical background where it's just like everyone needs dentistry, I just need to do this. And now you're thinking, okay, well now I have an idea that's worth spreading, right? Right. So I really... And, and that's that's kind of the ultimate sort of goal for me is, to, you know, once we've created... So the idea of creating these five practices is that I want to create five practices in the region that are financially very successful whilst taking care of our employees and giving a lot to the community. And, you know, I think that there's this perception that in order, you know, for companies, and again, it's unfortunately part of the corporate culture that has sort of permeated where it's all become about profits um, without, you know, caring for the impact of that. And so um, I think that's kind of ingrained in a lot of business minds and, and probably in a lot of dental practices that say, you know, if I want to get the profits, I can't also do these other things. And so, you know, I want to prove that you can do all.
You can be financially successful. Uh, you can be uh, great for the community in terms of giving back and doing the free dentistry and also take care of your employees. And so my thinking is that if I can replicate this five times, you know, we've, we've done it here in Kempfel. Um, I believe we're actually the largest single owned um, dental practice in all of Eastern Ontario. And we've accomplished that, you know, we went from an average practice to that in about five or six years, uh, implementing some of these philosophies as well as, you know, obviously focusing on, on growth and creating you know, greater value for our patients than we take from them. And marketing is a big part of that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, you can't just have great ideas <laughs> yeah. and not take action, um, you know, that, that helps um, sort of create that sort of, because again, by, by having more people come in, we can create great experiences for our patients, uh, do them a great service, and then they end up referring others if we we're creating that sort of value for them. So, oh, one question I have really quick on that. Sure. So you're saying, uh, Especially in, in, in Ontario where, you know, we're constantly getting tax increases and things like that. And there's a lot of people that are, are pulling back in their community involvement because it is, it is difficult to do, right? And some people are just in that situation. But you're saying that even despite whatever situation you are creating, you want to be, you want to have this giving mindset. And, 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 Absolutely. And so is that something you ever have to, to think about of like, as you know, as the, as the, your expenses start going up and ballooning out, you're getting it in bigger and you still have that, that, that same drive. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel, you know, I, I really believe that actually, you know, and again, this is, Partly a personal belief, partly you know my religious background is Baha'i. So this there's a basic Baha'i belief that you know by sacrificing for others you actually get more in return, and it's a very common theme amongst many religions. And so you know I actually think that you know um, by giving more you actually end up getting more. And again, I, you know I I don't promote that you should give more with that intent, <laughs> yeah, but I think it's actually just the, the natural consequence of it. And so, um, you know, for me, you know, and, and you know, it's, it's interesting that you brought up the, this concept of the economy. And this is one of the things that I learned working with this company. And, you know, and I've gotten better at it. And I still have a long way to go. Um, you know, they introduced this concept of a two economy system. There's the external economy that you have no control over. And there's your, your internal economy, which are the things that you can't control. And the key to success is to shut out the external, um, you know, cut off the news. You don't need to, you know, there's things that you can't control and not allow that to determine or dictate what you do with your business. Mm -hmm. So if the economy is bad, that doesn't matter. You need to focus on your, you know, your, your clients, your, in our case, our patients, uh, your team, help them become more effective, help them become more effective and not be influenced by, oh, the economy's bad, so now I need to scale back. Mm -hmm. That often, a lot of places, people do that, and actually that's the opportunity to, to actually become even more successful. Because everyone's scaling back, that's when you gotta double up your efforts. That's, that's so awesome. I mean, it's, it must be a little scary though sometimes, right? It, it can be, but it's, it's one of those things where it's sort of, you know, as you get the success, as you do it, you, you start to do more. And, you know, for example, in terms of marketing, you know, we started off with a very small budget. You know, when, when I joined, I was hardly spending anything on mar on marketing. Um, and, and 
you know, we were told, you know, you should spend more on marketing. And, and we we're also, you know, I've learned how to do it and track it properly. Because again, you don't want to spend money on marketing and not track it and see what the return is and make adjustments. Um, and so over time, we've sort of increased that budget to where, you know, we have a really large marketing budget. We have a full-time marketing person. We now have a part-time marketing person. And most people, when I tell them that like a dental practice, with them, <laughs> you know, like it's unheard of. And again, that's, I think that's one of the, the key things to um, to really becoming successful is is to to tread the untreaded path because again you know common knowledge yeah anyone can do but it's really sort of becoming sort of you know being at the front at the forefront of things to kind of say okay well this is what we need to do and really looking at it from the perspective as as an investment so were you ever afraid? Was there ever a moment that you think? Hundred percent. Yeah, of saying it's like, hey, now I have to take on all the. Well, just go on. What, what was that? So, like? Uh, like afraid of the growth or the growth and saying, hey, like, the investments I am in that in that charted waters, like hiring a marketing person and not you're the only dentist practice that might in the area that might be doing that. Or right. That, yeah. yeah. I mean, there was some, I mean, I was fortunate that I was working with a company that had a lot of dentist clients and that a lot of others that were also doing it or had done it. So even though it was scary for me, there was some security in the sense that, okay, these, they're not recommending something that they don't, they know doesn't work. However, it, it still is a leap of faith. Uh, it's a significant investment. And so, you know, one of the other things that I've really learned in this process, which is kind of uh, the opposite of, I think, common thinking and, and certainly the opposite of what I used to think is that people want to, I guess, get a certain level of, let's say, income before they make the investment. And that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. You make the investment, then the return comes. And so that's the part that's scary because you're thinking, okay, well, there's only so much revenue that I have here. This is a big investment that I'm making. I don't know if I'm going to get, you know, like the uncertainty. And so a lot of times, you know, I think a lot of businesses will kind of not make the investments that they need to and not recognize that to get big, you have, you know, or grow, you got to make the investment and give it that time for that, that return to come in. And so um, I think for me, that was a big sort of shift as well to kind of say, hey, you know, based on current revenues, you know, like this is going to dig into sort of into those revenues and the profits, but having the foresight of saying, okay, but that's what I need to do to go get to this other level. And, and that partly actually links back to another thing that for me has been a really critical and, and monumental shift is that the importance of having um, a 10 year plan. And so I think most people, you know, the average person that I'll ask, or even the average dental practice owner, or probably even business owner, if I ask them, okay, what's your 10-year plan? They probably don't have one. And this is one of the biggest things um, that I came to realize, you know, going through all these processes, is that having a 10-year plan and having an audacious 10-year plan is critical because what it does is it helps you in the decision-making process and it also forces you to make big moves. So if you have a very small 10-year plan, you may not make big moves, but having a big 10-year plan, if I know that in 10 years this is where I wanna be and I know that to get there I have to do these steps and this step is really scary, it's like, well, I gotta do it because I'm focused here on this 10-year plan, this is what I need to do. Five practices, eh? 
So that is the 10-year plan. (laughs) (laughs) How many people, has anyone told you you're crazy, you know? Oh, I get that all the time. (laughs) And that's, and I I think the biggest challenge is always from those closest to you because they're like, well, you know, that's, you know, that's crazy, you know, it's too risky or this and that. And so um, often as an entrepreneur, as I'm sure you've experienced, you know, uh, though there are many, and they're often the ones closest to you, mm-hmm. that would that often have the greatest influence. That it's really important to sort of block out yeah. <laughs> essentially and overcome. That. So, what changed your your mindset on on things? Like you talked about Simon Sinek, and like is it like a mentor? Like have you gotten a lot of outside influence on to to help you get there? Was this something that you just kind of worked through yourself? Like the in terms of the Simon Sinek stuff, or in terms of some of this growth stuff? Just your own personal thing of your old mindset and how you changed that mindset to think bigger and. And, and a lot of that was essentially working with this company that. Um, where you know the, the founders sort of introduced these concepts this is where i first learned of some of these ideas even just this whole idea of um you know and a, a big part of it i don't know if you've read the book the science of getting rich um so that's a book that i would actually recommend because what it um that was probably the the one of the foundational things that it helped me change my mindset so um, the basic premise, you know, one of the key elements of the book is that whatever you set your mind to is what you will achieve. And that's where setting these 10-year plans and things are really important because what what ends up happening is that, you know, whatever you think will happen is what will transpire. So if you think you will not be successful doing something, that's exactly what will transpire. So, uh, so this process of really controlling your thoughts and controlling what you allow to mm-hmm. enter your mind and to not allow doubts and things like that enter it and to really focus and have this attitude that you will do something not that i you know never you know have i've trained myself to stop saying you know i'm gonna try to do this you know we're gonna have five dental practices doing that that's what we're doing it's not it's not a you know maybe or if this happens it's like that's that's what we're doing and so that sort of creates this sort of it opens your mind so that it allows so that when opportunities arise to help serve towards that goal, um, you actually take them. It's almost like your mind opens to these things that are always out there, but because you were never in that in that mindset, it doesn't come to you. So I really believe that, you know, whatever you put out into the universe is, is what comes to you. So, Well, like psychologists talk about it all the time of just saying... I- Actually, it's interesting. You talked about that external, internal. It's start before you start messing around with everything in the world and saving the planet. Start with the things that you can control, right? Absolutely. Start with your own house. Get it in order. Move on to your town. Move on, and then I guess eventually the world for you, right? Yeah. Absolutely, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So what? Oh, sorry, you had a question. Oh, I was gonna ask. Uh, so, so you've got these big goals. What? Uh, I'm sure you've come across some challenges that you've had to overcome. Do you want to talk about any of those challenges? Sure. I mean. <clears throat> Um, one of the, I would say the number one probably challenge is always internal. So, um, the starting point of things often not working out is, you know, um, is within yourself. So if you have, you know, if there's doubts or if you're, you know, you start to allow your mind to go down a negative sort of mindset or a negative path. Um, one of the things that, you know, has always stuck with me is that, if there's something in your life or your business that you're not happy with, uh, look internally, because it's it's related to something you are or not or not doing. So even if it's an employee that's 
not performing well. You know, and sometimes, you know, some people just don't work out and that's okay, but you always have to first ask, okay, have I created clear expectations? Have I given this person the training that they need to have the success that they want? Because we often sort of have this idea that, oh, well, they're not doing this. It's like, okay, well, did you make it clear that you're... And so quite often it comes back to the to you yourself and also leadership. So uh, I think one of the biggest things for me is this journey of leadership in terms of how to become um, a great leader that is able to influence people, to move people in a certain direction. And um, I don't know if you've read The uh, Five Levels of Leadership by John Maxwell. So that's a, it's a great book that I, I would certainly recommend. And he talks about the five levels of leadership. And, you know, most people get stuck on level one, which is the positional leadership. So uh, what you often see in corporations or in companies is that people are exerting their position or their authority to make people do what they want. And so John Maxwell says that this is actually the lowest level. So when you get a position, you're right at you're at the lowest level of leadership. And so if you stay there, um, you will never get the most out of people, and you will never inspire people, because people are only doing things because they have to to get their paycheck. So as a result, you will get you know the nine to five person who will give you the bare minimum to keep their job. And so most people stay stuck there because they haven't developed the skills within themselves to get people to to want to follow them. So you know, at level one, people have to follow you. You want to help move them to the to the higher levels where people want to follow you. And at the next level is liking. So you know, people, you know, you can't be a great leader if you're not likable. That's <laughs> true. That's true. And so part of liking is actually caring about people. People don't like people that don't care about them. So you have to spend the time to get to know people, to get to, um, you know, know their families and, you know, connect with them on a personal level. Because um, otherwise, you're, you're never going to get any higher. You, you know, you've got to get to that. And then it goes on to, you know, the third level is where production, where you have to demonstrate that you are, um, that you can be a very productive and that you can be good at what you want them to do. So you can't, you know, certainly you, you can't do all jobs, but you have to show that you have a high level of, of functioning and competence so that others can sort of say, hey, you know, they want me to function at this level, but they don't, they're not great themselves. People are never going to, you're never going to be a level three leader with them at that stage because of, you're asking them to do something that you are not willing to give, put the time to become really good at yourself. That, that's like that, that innate thing where people go to celebrities, right? It's because they've seen that competence in something and they get drawn to that in a way, right? That's right, yeah. yes. And so, you know, once you've accomplished that, then you can keep moving on to the higher levels. But all that to say that for me, I think one of the biggest challenges has been, you know, just internally, you know, keep growing as a leader. Um, and then trying to find ways to, I think right now the biggest challenge for me, because I'm only in the clinic about a day a week, so I have a lot of doctors, is, um, and again, that's when you, and, and, I, and that's really where my challenge is, because the level four leader is someone that is able to teach others to be leaders. Hmm. And so for me now, you know, what I'm really sort of trying to work on is um, how to effectively train 
others to step into that leadership role so that they can lead others. And again, that's how great organizations grow is like, you know, the leaders train the leaders and instill all those sort of things in them, but also take care of them. So then now the next step is for those leaders to sort of develop the next sort of, and it sort of works out that way. So I think at this stage right now, that's one of my challenges in terms of finding the time and the ability um, to do that uh, and finding the best ways to do that. Because uh, at this point, you know, between doctors and uh, employees, we're probably around 40, 45 people. So it's becoming, that's where some of the big challenges for me right now currently are. But along the way, I would say, you know, um, just really staying persistent, you know, is I think has been one of the things that I've had to really sort of work on where to not allow the the natural ups and downs to sway me off my path. Right. There's so many things that you have to do because growing takes a lot of your headspace, right? But maintaining is another. But if you start slowing down, you won't have, you, you don't have enough time for both as is, right? That's right. Yeah. Yes. And so that I would say that's, you know, time is probably one of the things that's becoming more challenging. And I think that's which is actually a good thing because then it forces you to then evolve. And so part of that evolution is no longer, you know, trying to make myself more efficient instead of saying, okay, how do I now extend that to, to my leaders and, you know, sort of help them grow to, to a level where they can now train other leaders so that that sort of concept sort of extends downwards. So leadership is so important to a business. So obviously when you're hiring other people, there's a lot of trust there, but did you have any difficulty in giving trust to give to create a new leader saying hey this is this is the mini me you know like this is yeah and and that's uh, you know i would say i was very fortunate in that you know i had three individuals that have been with me for a long time two of them um have been with me since the start well i had tremendous trust and they were extremely competent and so um i was able to entrust them and you know um let them sort of, and again, it still requires me sort of helping guide them to become uh, along with me in that journey in terms of the leadership. Uh, but I guess in that sense, I was quite fortunate. So I already had, so I know for some, they don't necessarily have that. So it's hard for me to really answer that question because that was before I embarked on this journey, I had those people. Sean, you were even just saying this morning, right? It's like, actually, you voted like an hour or two ago, right, about the people that you get in your business at the ground level is those are people you got to really be watch out for because those are the more, you'd probably say it better, I guess. Yeah, so I think the first person I heard say it was uh, Reid Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn. He said uh, the first 10 employees that you get are the foundation of your company. Right. You You hire them and then they hire the next hundred or five hundred or thousand or in some cases like Amazon the next three hundred and fifty thousand. Like those those first ten employees are, are the foundation yes. of the team. Definitely. That makes sense, them. yeah. Yeah. I, I'd never heard that, but that's actually really uh, interesting and, and you know what that totally makes sense. Because again they you know, people tend to hire themselves. Yeah. You tend to look for people because again certain qualities and so you if you if those are the people that are into the hiring, you you want to make sure that you get that group right. Definitely, yeah. definitely. 
Well, it also speaks back to what you said about the 10-year plan. If you don't know what roles you're going to need in 10 years, those first people are just going to be, they're only going to be able to be with you on that first part of the journey. That's and right. you have to change people and start over. That's right, exactly. And, you know, hopefully you can help grow them into and and one of the great things that has come with growth is that it's created opportunities for those within the organization to sort of um to move into sort of different and more uh, involved or with greater responsibilities which is great for people as well because you know at the end of the day everyone you know at their core you know want and need to be challenged and so, you know, if you're in a growing organization where new sort of opportunities are always arising, because as you get bigger, there's there's a need for different positions that didn't weren't there was no need for before. Um, then it allows places where people can sort of you know move into these sort of um, growing roles. So that's one of I think one of the great benefits of growth. And and one of what I've realized is that. Um, if you're not growing, you're receding. <laughs> and so having that growth mindset um, always, it also forces change. And again, change is a challenge because even for me, you know, based on my sort of personality type and um, my mode of operation, change is challenging and difficult. But change is also extremely necessary and it's important to overcome those things um, because it's only through change that we can actually evolve to, the, to a greater level of operation. I think the, uh, the point you touched on was called the Predo distribution, which is basically the people that are gaining and getting more, they're going to keep getting even more. And then the ones that aren't, they're, you just don't have the resources to sustain and you're just going to keep falling behind, right? That's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting thing. Um, uh, I, think it was, uh, I think it was Jordan Peterson, a psychologist that I've been just listening to, like saying he talked about it and it, it applies in everything. It's... Um, it's uh, the, in music, the, the 8, 20% of the music creators, they get that level of creation, so they just keep growing, and so they grow even more. Cities, the same thing. The cities that grow the most will keep getting more people than the ones it's, and then, and that applies to business too. That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So how many times, so obviously that this 10-year plan has kind of kept you on that growth pattern, right? But do right. you ever have to just keep kicking yourself to... All the, all yeah, the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Because it's sort of... Um, you know, something I heard at one of the workshops um, with um, this company that I'm working with, the founder, his name is Jay Kyer. One of the things he always says is that um, growth and success leads to complacency. And so that it's a constant, uh, you have to constantly fight complacency. Because um, it's through complacency that then you stop growing. Because then you just kind of get comfortable, and, and again, it's not it's not about just growing just for the sake of you know, increasing material sort of thing. It's more about creating more capacity to serve and help others, and so and also for yourself. That you know, um, as a person, you know, the journey of growth never ends, and um, it's it's important to not fall into the trap of complacency. Business owners get a bad rap a lot, especially successful ones, right? Where everyone sees someone who's being successful and they might say, hey, he's just doing it for himself. But if you think about it, you've created, if you're going to have five businesses and you understand that if you're not growing, you're going to be letting your team down. That's you're right. going to be letting these, these jobs are going to be shrinking if That's you're not right. growing. So Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, just with natural inflation, 
your expenses will, will rise. So it's, um, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think anyone wants to be part of an organization that's dying or decaying. Yeah. And so the best way to sort of, you know, protect your, your people is to always be growing. Yeah. And then <laughs> so. until you're, as you said, Amazon or, or, or whatnot there. It's, right. Uh, that's yeah. huge. Um, well, that has been 30. Is there any other questions that you might have for me? We can keep going for another hour, though. I don't think so. No. I think we're good. We'll have sure. to have you back on in the future. We definitely. This sure. is, I want to make sure every <laughs> single business owner hears this because, uh, you know, you're comparing, you're talking about Simon Sinek. I'd say you'd, uh, you'd be a good speaker very soon for that, <laughs> sharing you. what you, you did there. I appreciate that. Was there anything that uh, you wanted to make sure that you got out uh, or anything that's really important that you're working on in the next little while? That... Um, actually, there is one thing. So one of, you know, part of sort of our endeavor to sort of um, do more for the community. And also, you know, I, you know, I have a sort of, you know, I like to think, more in terms of worldwide perspective so yeah. I don't sort of believe that you know like I, I believe that as human beings we're you know we're citizens of the world and so um, I'd like to do stuff you know in other places as well uh, so one of the things that we're working on for next year is uh, we're going to be doing a, a dental mission trip to uh, the Dominican so there's so actually the, the company that I'm that I work with and this is one of the reasons why I really love working with them uh, so they've they rallied their clients and they actually contributed most of the money to to build a, a brand new facility in the Dominican to serve the um, the poor population. It's actually the Haitian community mm -hmm. that works in the Dominican, but they have no access to care and things like that. So there's a hospital that's set up to take care of them. And so they built a beautiful facility there. And so they're you know, asking their clients to come down with their teams to serve and, and to help some of those people. So the main reason I want to do that, you know, is obviously to help those people, but largely I think it will have a, a really positive impact on the employees and the doctors that participate in it. Because I think sometimes seeing how other, you know, the conditions of other people, it, it makes you more appreciative of where we're at. And so uh, I want to create that experience for them. So next year we're planning to do this mission trip. So I, you know, what I've committed to my team is that uh, anyone who wants to participate, I'll pay for their flights. They'll need to fundraise for their um, for their expenses while they're there. Um, and so we have quite a few team member, members that are really interested. So one of the other commitments that I've made is that, you know, through Yazdani yes, Family Dentistry, uh, we're going to try to have some events where we can do some fundraising to help them cover some of their you know their living costs while they're there um so that's one of the things that we're doing so uh, that's certainly i'm hoping that the community will sort of uh, support them and to do that as i said you know the commitment i've made is that i'm going to pay for everyone's flights um, and hopefully we can fundraise um, enough so that as many team members as will want to go mm -hmm. uh, can can be part of that Wow, so just that, that free dentistry that you're doing, and but bringing it to worldwide as well, and sharing that knowledge and wealth. Wow. Yeah, and, and I'm pretty excited about that, because actually in that clinic, they're now, again, with this company that, that I work with, they're actually building a training facility to help train dentists there so that they can serve their own communities. That's amazing. And so they're going to have dentists from that are, you know, clients of theirs come and spend like a week to train uh, to train some of the people because I guess the dentists there are largely what they've been trained as is more like dental hygiene so they don't have a lot of knowledge or expertise uh, with 
other dental procedures. So this would be an opportunity for dentists from North America to to go down and, and help give them that training. Wow. Yeah, well, yeah especially if you're in a close, you only know what you and your what your information you have access to. That's right. right. Yeah. It goes back to mentorship. You need open borders to be able, open mind, and as well as open borders to be able to, to uh, help other people out there. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's kind of what's coming up. So we're excited about that. Is so. Is there anywhere uh, our listeners can find you on social media on your website? Yeah. So um, if you do a search for Yazdani Family Dentistry, um, we. We have a Facebook page for our Canada practice as well as our Kenful practice. Um, we're also on Twitter, not super active on Twitter. So I would say Facebook is probably the primary uh, sort of area where you can find us. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, awesome. Th- thank you so much. And we will definitely have you back on again. This, is, thank this you. has been eye-opening. And, uh, and just to, to learn about, because you see businesses in town and you see them growing, but you sometimes it's always just a mystery to businesses. Like, right. just, don't just grow naturally, <laughs> yeah. right? You've got to try it. It definitely has to be intentional. And, um, you know, and I think the biggest advice, and this is one that I need to constantly remind myself of too, um, is set big goals big goals and that's i think one of the big so you know um part of a program the program that i'm with uh, with scheduling institute is called 5x um i don't know if you've heard of the i think it's based out of you know uh, have you ever um heard of grant grant cardone yes and the 10x rule so i think it's based on that premise so basically the the program is that to grow your practice five times and so most people, when they have a business, they never even fathom the thought of, oh, I'm just, I'm actually growing this five times in the next five years or six years. And so I think part of the magic of what helped us really grow rapidly is setting this big goal that at the time when I set it was, you know, inconceivable and I had no idea how to do it. And that, that's one of the things that I learned too, is that it's okay if you don't know, you don't need to figure out the how. Just set the goal, and then you'll and make progress towards it. And and you tend to fall short of goals. That if it's a well set goal, you should fall a little short. But even though if you're short of a really big goal, you got a great result. But if you set a small goal, you'll fall short of that, and then you're not going to be happy with the result. So I think for me that was a big thing too: is to set big goals that just seem inconceivable sometimes. Well, thank you so much, and that's Thanks so much. Wonderful. Pleasure. Thank you guys. I appreciate you having me on here. And thanks for listening to the Small Town Business Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Pacito from businesscontent.ca, where you can listen to this podcast and more. You can get other great marketing tips on our Facebook, Business Content Media, or Instagram at the BizCon. And we'll see you guys next week.